Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Supposing I make two statements. Statement one. After I die, I shall be reborn again as a baby. But I shall forget my former life. Uh, we got a letter one day from this mother in Oklahoma. And she said that for the last year, their five-year-old boy, Ryan, had talked about a past life in Hollywood. And he would cry about uh, Hollywood wanting his mom to take him back there. Statement two. After I die, a baby will be born. Now, I believe that those two statements are saying exactly the same thing. And we know that the second one is true. Babies are always being born. Conscious beings of all kinds are constantly coming into existence after others die. But why would I think that the two statements are really the same statement? Because after all, if you die and your memory comes to an end, and you forget who you were, being reborn again is exactly the equivalent of somebody else being born. Because we have no consciousness of our continuity unless we have memory. If the memory goes, then we might just as well be somebody else. She decided to go to the public library and check out some books on Hollywood. And they were looking through one one day when they came to a picture from an old movie called Night After Night. And Ryan pointed to one of the men in the picture and said, uh, Hey, Mama, that's George. We did a picture together. And he pointed to another one of the men and said, And Mama, that's me. I found me. And he was an extra with no lines in the movie. Eventually, with the help of a Hollywood archivist, she went to the library of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. There was one picture that included an identification of this guy, and he was a fellow named Marty Martin, uh, who died in 1964. Ryan said how he had danced on stage in New York. Uh, Marty Martin danced on Broadway. Ryan said he then went to Hollywood and, and worked in the movies, which Marty Martin did. He said that he then worked for an agency, and Marty Martin started a successful talent agency. Ryan said how he had seen the world from big boats and talked about visiting Paris. Uh, Marty Martin and his wife went to Europe on the Queen Mary, and we have pictures of them in Paris. Ryan said in his street address had the word rock or mount in it, 
and uh, Marty Martin lived on North Roxbury. Ryan also said one time he didn't understand why God would let you get to be 61 and then make you come back again as a baby. Marty Martin's death certificate said that he was 59. Uh, but then I talked with his daughter and with his stepson, who both said no, he was actually 61. So I looked into it and I found three census records, two marriage listings and a passenger list that all gave ages for Marty Martin. That meant, in fact, he was 61 when he died and not 59. Um, and altogether, we verified that over 50 of Ryan's statements matched with Marty Martin's life. Of course, everybody wishes to hold forever to the memories and to the people and the situations that he particularly loves. But surely, if we think this through, is that what we actually want? Because it is forgetting about things that renews their wonder. Just think, when you opened your eyes on the world for the first time as a child, how brilliant colors were. What a jewel the sun was. What marvels the stars. How incredibly alive the trees were. That's all because they were new to your eyes. By the time she found me, I was already getting stiff because I died in the morning and people really didn't come into my room until about 10 a.m. Oh, my gosh. And so at, at about that time, they started uh, measuring my vital signs. And uh, there were no vital signs for an hour and a half, at which time they gave up. The research said that you go down a tunnel, you meet a being of light, you go into this transcendent reality where you meet dead relatives, and spiritual beings, you may have a life review, then you'll come to a border, which if you cross, you know you're going to die. So it's a perfectly valid question to ask, is this near-death experience a model of what will happen when you die? As I went to the light, and some people you know, report on tunnels and things like yeah. that, Mine was, I guess you could call it a tunnel in a way, but it was this um, rainbow shimmering light and the light was, part of it was going to the light and the other part of it was coming from the light. And as I was moving up, I, I, I sort of realized that one, that the column of light going up was all the people that were dying at that time. And the other uh, side of the, of the same light, actually it was the same light beam, uh, on the other side was all the souls coming in being born and I realized I was on the wrong train. See the source of all light is in the eye. If there were no eyes in this world the sun would not be light. You evoke light out of the universe. In the same way you by virtue of having a soft skin evoke hardness out of wood. Wood is only hard in relation to a soft skin. It's your eardrum that evokes noise out of the air. You, by being this organism, call into being the whole universe of light and color and hardness and heaviness and everything. You see? It's this little funny microbe, tiny thing, crawling on this little planet that's way out somewhere, 
who has the ingenuity by nature of this magnificent organic structure to evoke the whole universe out of what would otherwise be mere quanta. Right after my experience, I'd say within a couple of months after my experience, um, the light would just come and get me and take me out of my body. And every time that happened, I thought I was dying again. So I would go to the light again, and the light and I would have more conversations. And I sort of had this desire with the light that I wanted to bring something back tangible from the light. I was always given an idea or an invention to bring back every exchange I've ever had with the light. It took about a year or so to where I got comfortable with these experiences and just would let it happen. And Phyllis Atwater and uh, Ken Ring were the first to tell me that, Melon, nobody else does this. I said, well, I, I go back to the light every day. At one point, I was told I would, from now on, have contact with universal intelligence. And that I could, I could answer any question. And I've been tested in double-blind university experiments on this, on being able to give answers about something I should know nothing about whatsoever. But I go to the light and I get answers. But I was warned before I came back. The light said, when you go back, don't be surprised. Even if you or anyone else could answer any question, don't be surprised if that's not the point. And I said, what do you mean? And they said, well, at this time in history, humans are much more interested in the questions than the answers. And that turned out to be my, exper my experience over many years. I would work on these great experiments and these think tanks. We would come up with all these great ideas, and I would draw schematics. I would, I would get frequencies down to the decimals, and uh, quite often the devices were never built, or if they were, they were never really pursued. And I, I predicted uh, eight um, astronomical um, discoveries 20 years before they were discovered. And um, thank God I, I, I did lectures about them and documented it so that I can prove what I'm saying. But uh, I was not a scientist or an astronomer or a physicist, but I had seen things that I could report on, and, and they've turned out to be very accurate. A recent survey of more than 100 near-death experiences in which people reported seeing things from an out-of-body perspective found that more than 90% were completely accurate in what they said. Eddie was a nine-year-old boy who was hospitalized in a coma for meningitis. And he was in a coma for about 36 hours before his fever finally broke. His family were gathered around him by the bedside all night long. And finally, about 3 a.m., he opened his eyes and excitedly told his parents that he had just been to heaven. And he'd seen his dead grandfather and Auntie Rosa and Uncle Lorenzo and then he said, and I also saw my sister Teresa, who told me I had to come back. Now, Teresa was his older sister who was in college in Vermont, and as far as anyone knew, was perfectly healthy. Later that morning, when his parents went home, they immediately called the college, and they found that Teresa had, in fact, been killed in a car accident just after midnight. How did Eddie know about that? Why do I feel that the world is centered in this place, as distinct from some other place? You jolly well know the world is centered where you are. And this gives one a very strange feeling 
of the idea that other people jolly well exist in the same sense you do. Everybody's name is I. That's what you call yourself. So, there will always be eyes in the world. Every eye is in a way the same eye. We all might be anyone else. And there is no escape. It goes on and on and on and on. So long as there is consciousness anywhere, there is I. You then, in a way, look out through all eyes. And that, perhaps, is the secret of the great virtue of compassion. What I learned, and what I believe to this day, is that um, the the, bo the physical body that we live in actually gives us um, uh, uh, the most beautiful vehicle ever imagined to experience time and space. There may be people here that think they're in pain, that uh, think their life is not anything like they want. But I tell you, um, I have met people that would give you anything for the worst day of your life. Because even the worst day of your life is so filled with potential. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.